You're listening to A Date with Data with your host, Amy Bitterman. Hey, it's Amy, and I'm so excited to be hosting A Date with Data. I'll be chatting with state and district special education staff who, just like you, are dealing with IDEA data every day. A Date with Data is brought to you by the IDEA Data Center. Welcome to part two of A Date with Data with North Carolina's Kelly Blas and Lauren Holohan. If you missed part one, please make sure to check it out. And in this episode, we're going to continue our conversation on how North Carolina has kept stakeholders meaningfully engaged in their SPP APR. So through all of this, um, what are some of the challenges that that you faced in, um, you know, getting stakeholders to attend? It sounds like you had maybe not that much of an issue with that. You had a lot of folks, but but keeping them engaged and, you know, continuing to have them be part of this work. How long have we got for this one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I'll just start with the first one and then um, um, again, pass it over to Lauren because there there is quite a, a few challenges that we faced. Um, but I would say our main one, and I think most states would probably agree with this, is parent involvement. Mm. A success in that is that, as Lauren mentioned earlier, we did have multiple meetings and we scheduled um, the, the second meeting for each um, target setting group in the evenings. So it was a six o'clock meeting. Um, That is where we had our most uh, engaged parents and they did ask lots of different questions that only parents would come up with. Um, And and their perspective was totally different than what we would find on our morning meetings. Hmm. So that was a good thing. We We just didn't feel like we had as many as we would have liked and as diverse as we would have liked as far as um, racially diverse, uh, students with disabilities, you know, the different uh, disability categories, we would have liked to have seen more parents. And we're still working on that with our parent advisory council and and our other parent advocacy groups on um, involving more parents. Mm -hmm. Lauren, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think um, another challenge is sustaining the effort and the momentum you know mm-hmm. after we got the the targets and the baselines selected um just sustaining the engagement because the the conversation with stakeholders changes after that right after yep, absolutely that, that work is done we have a new spp awesome we <laughs> um but i i think just keeping that momentum up especially for those stakeholders who aren't involved in a work group mm-hmm. um so we've been talking Kelly and I and our team have been talking about how to kind of recharge that mm-hmm. external stakeholder group um, and, and ways to for us to kind of plan a little bit further out in terms of um, talking about progress, talking about thinking about some of the targets we potentially need to reset. Um, mm-hmm. Kelly, I wonder if you want to talk about just some of what we're experiencing in terms of um, multiple initiatives and leadership changes and oh my goodness yes <laughs> so uh, you know along with having this huge task of a changing measurement table and um, getting this information out to our stakeholders and and having them work through that with us and I'm sure many states are in the same the same boat but we also had a lot of initiatives going on within the department of course we we decided <laughs> to change our simmer mm-hmm. as well and so that 
was a huge change. We went from focusing on graduation rate to focusing really down on our fourth grade reading and the opportunity gaps between students with disabilities and um, non-disabled students and between students with disabilities of color and students with disabilities who are white on our state identified measurable results. So that change alone is a huge shift in uh, opportunity to engage all of our stakeholders, all of our districts in understanding what that looks like and and the engagement that they need to have there. We also did some major changes with our indicator 4, 9, and 10 Mm -hmm. uh, process as far as reviewing and revising their policies, practices, and procedures and Mm -hmm. what that looks like. And then there were some other division priorities that the, the PSUs needed to engage in that were very large compliance-related um, things that they had to, to roll out. So there was just so much happening in the past two years that there's, I know that there are times, and they have told us directly that there are times, and they just feel overwhelmed by the amount of things that are happening and changing um, when it comes to data and priorities. We've also had significant staffing changes. Um, Lots and lots of long-term department folks have retired. And so, you know, training new staff and having them understand what our priorities are and um, getting everybody on board has been a a, a huge challenge for us. And I'm sure, like I said, I think many other states are experiencing the, the staffing changes, at least if they're not experiencing all these other changes, which some of, some of which we brought on ourselves, Lauren and I. but you had long-term aspirations in mind it's all working towards (laughs) improvement and better outcomes so i i think one of the things that especially as we've done some revision to how we think about and approach and um address indicators four nine and ten and and significant disproportionality i think what we've experienced is quite a bit of isolation by our local directors of special education in their context. And those indicators and significant disproportionality, those data, we we have a friend in, a, in an LEA sa- that says that general education is writing the check that EC has to back, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That it's general education policies and practices that are driving those particular indicators and, and significant disproportionality data um, yep. and yet uh, the understanding of those requirements what those data even mean on the general education side is pretty low yeah. and so I think we've got a significant opportunity to do some capacity building with our gen ed stakeholders at the local level yeah for sure I think that's a common theme and something that I know in the special ed world, at least, trying to, you know, continue to push harder to get general ed involved in all of it. But certainly, you know, those indicators, they really need to be at the table and understanding and part of all of those those conversations and decision making. Kelly, will you just talk about sort of the balancing act, the, I think, the challenge of keeping the SPP APR the right size? Well, for us data people, you know, (laughs) there's a cliff that we often run up to and like, whoa. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, I know that for me specifically, I do focus on, you know, the end game and the targets and the outcomes. But 
it is important. And I think we've learned, especially through all this work and, and part of the, that challenge of all of the different things that we've been implementing um, is that we're learning how each one of those indicators actually feed in to mm. the bigger picture of significant disproportionality of um, the policies, practices, and procedures that are happening in districts. And so um, getting down to the student stories that the data represents. And um, Rachel Wilkinson did a wonderful job of showing us the journey of the indicators on, on a student level. And so we are we are really trying to um, help our districts understand that all of these play a part together and that the outcome or the the percentage that they're at at the end is not as important as ensuring that they're meeting the the needs of each and every student. And through all of those kind of challenges that you talked about, it still sounds like there were a lot of strategies and lessons learned and and ways that you, you know, dealt with those challenges and, and really faced them. Um, and you shared a few of those. Are there other strategies that you have found to really help you know, keep stakeholders engaged that you can talk about? So other than the work that we've already been doing with our stakeholders around the work groups, Mm -hmm. we actually have been planning to implement strategies to engage. And and one of those is going back to that year-long plan or roadmap Mm -hmm. for discussing our indicators. So our intention is that we'll have an indicator highlight at each one of our stakeholder meetings. And so that, again, so that we're not overwhelming them with, here's the progress on 17 indicators. Mm -hmm. Um, We will highlight one or two indicators and just talk about it, as well as talk about um, considering resetting some, some targets where we know that based on the data and the timing of those changes that, that OSEP implemented with the measurement table that we just totally missed the mark as mm. far as um, setting <laughs> well, those targets. I think, I think example, indicator 3D. Yeah, right. yes. <laughs> but it was new. And I mean, to, you know, I think probably all states <laughs> missed the mark and just you don't know what you don't know. It's going to take, you know, a few years, as we've seen, to really understand and get what's happening and where you want to go. Yeah, so I guess what we learned in that was if you don't know and it's a new measurement, mm-hmm. um, choose conservatively. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I think the other thing, and we've mentioned it before, but even as we've kind of retooled and revisioned the way we're doing our local self assessment for indicator 17 around um, fourth grade reading outcomes mm-hmm. and have sort of chunked up the work of that self-assessment into different phases this time. Our LEAs just finished a, a data analysis and um, as they move into root cause analysis at the local level, mm-hmm. um, supporting them sharing their data analysis with their local stakeholders, what we're finding is we're just continuing to learn that there really is an art to like the dosage of data that you share with any stakeholder group at any one time and just to be strategic about which data and how much and Mm -hmm. how much space to leave for people to respond to it i think we're just learning even ourselves and as we're coaching um 
local implementers that it's when you're when you're talking about data it's super easy just to get on a monologue and mm-hmm. just share all kinds of charts and graphs mm-hmm. and then run out of time and all you've done at that point is is overwhelmed people mm-hmm. and um to to truly engage stakeholders like that dosage thing we're we're still learning yeah definitely an art and when you figure it out let, let us know because it is <laughs> it's it's so true um just knowing your audience as much as you can and sometimes you really don't if you're kind of putting you know a call out and parents and it's a whole range of of people that have different levels of understanding and interest it's definitely a challenge but it sounds like you're really working hard to to figure out what that that mix is and what works um so i applaud you for that you talked a little about you know upcoming plans already anything else that you haven't mentioned that you want to highlight Well, just before we move to that, I do just one other thing I think we're learning and which is also sort of informed the answer to this what's next Mm -hmm. question is I think as Kelly and I and our team just gets, you know, deeper and more more familiar with how these collection of 17 indicators, like how they all inform one another. Mm-hmm. how it it really is for all of sort of the headache and heartache sometimes these indicators cause there is a wisdom and a brilliance to how they work together and if we let them guide the work things are going to get better for students with disabilities in our state we are we are in full belief of that mm. um and we're also learning as part of that coherence of these indicators that they can be used as a lever for other strategic priorities. Mm-hmm. Specifically the work that we're leading across our agency with educational equity. Mm-hmm. I think letting these indicators and the requirements around them, letting them be a lever and not a hammer mm-hmm. um, is one of the things I think that we're that we're learning to do and I'm really excited about and what that's gonna mean for sort of the energy and enthusiasm of the work going forward. Yeah, that's really exciting. And just hearing you talk, it gets me, you know, happy listening to to you saying that because it is so often we get so, you know, deep in the weeds of the indicators and, and not thinking about, you know, how they work together. How can we really be using these to our advantage and to really make a difference and not looking at it as just like, oh, this is something that we have to do every year and you just do it for the purpose of doing it because it's required. Right. We've even in our more giddy moments kind of thought about the the SPP as our superpower rather than <laughs> as our, our beast of burden, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. Absolutely. You know, as far as um, our plans to continue engaging stakeholders, again, like we said, we really want to focus on increasing our number and diversity of stakeholders. And mm-hmm. we just continue to add to our internal and external stakeholder meetings. And those connections that we're making are becoming more broad reaching. So just different advocacy groups that we maybe hadn't thought of before have been reaching out. And so that's that's exciting to us. And we're hoping to just see those those meetings 
grow. And as, a, as we already said, we're going to be doing a, an indicator progress highlight at each of those meetings just to keep those indicators front and center um, and really for them to understand the progress and how it works together with the other work that we present at those meetings around our simmer and around our educational equity work. So we'll try to weave that in so that it really does make sense with the work that we're doing. And also one of the things that we have been doing and will continue to do is that we will analyze all of our indicators by subgroups, even the ones where OSEP doesn't require us to break it down Hmm. um, by race or by disability or by other subgroups. And we've taken advantage, probably too much advantage, but (laughs) um, using tools like Tableau and providing dashboards to our districts so that they can see their data broken down in a different way and they're not having Hmm. to create their own Mm -hmm. charts and things like that of data that we already have. Lauren kind of had the light bulb moment as we were considering um, giving our districts their data for their state-identified measurable results. Can't we do this in um, in a dashboard? And once we did, it was life-changing, not only for us, but for our PSUs. And so continuing to provide data in an easily accessible, readable format, and then making changes when they ask for it has been super helpful. Yeah, I think we should have said at the beginning, I think one of our most important and cherished stakeholder groups is our local directors of special Mm -hmm. education. We do, in addition to our sort of formal external stakeholder group for the SBP, we have other formats for engaging those directors as a stakeholder group, multiple formats. And I think we continue to, we're continuing to evolve in understanding how to use our indicator data as an indicator of the level of a support a given LEA would need, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of like what Dibbles is to MTSS for Mm -hmm. us, the indicators are to like the proximity and the intensity of our general supervision. And we still have a long ways to go in doing that in a in a more systematic and organized kind of tiered level of support but we're on our way and the being able to conceptualize the indicator data in that way i think is is going to be very organizing (laughs) (laughs) i i think that finally the the thing that i i think we're learning and are going to spend time talking about and focusing on with stakeholders across all different kinds of our stakeholder groups is is really thinking about collective efficacy and our belief systems. And I say that because I think until we have a broad and consistent culture of high expectations across all eds and specifically for students with disabilities, um, I think we're going to struggle to see these data move in a in a meaningful and lasting way. Hmm. Um, and that's a that's a really different kind of work, like implementation science or improvement science. Mm-hmm. We're in the midst of quite a bit of research around what are the evidence-based practices for building collective efficacy and for addressing belief systems. And mm-hmm. yeah, we're we're excited about where that might take us. Yeah, so a whole culture shift. Yes. Wow. Well, you all have a tremendous amount going on, and I'm so excited about all of it. This has been amazing. Thank you for sharing. I think a lot of other states out there will will really learn a lot and be able to take in some of the examples and strategies and 
and try applying them themselves. So thank you both for Gosh, thanks so being much. Thank, on. Thanks so much for letting us. <laughs> yeah, anytime, <laughs> anytime. Thank you. Yeah, I think that any state that's crazy enough to do the, the kinds of things that uh, our state has done in the past couple of years, we're, we're here to support that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for being on and sharing with us your SPPAPR journey and how stakeholders have been a part of the process from the start and have continued and will be continuing into the future. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. To access podcast resources, submit questions related to today's episode, or if you have ideas for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. The links are in the episode content, or connect with us via the podcast page on the IDC website at ideadata.org.